0: hello boys and girls welcome to another episode of the pure football podcast this one has to do with something i watched on the night of its release the new netflix documentary el caso figo the figo affair this is of course the very famous story of portuguese ballon d'or winner luis figo and his contagious world record transfer from barcelona to real madrid this is a saga that has forefronted the media for years it's a story of unparalleled sporting rivalry and backroom deals. And yet, when it's put in front of us, with all the voices and perspectives together, you get the impression everybody's got their own truth. And perhaps you cannot get to one single conclusion. Maybe what you thought before watching it was the truth. Maybe that was only your truth. Maybe truth is... there is more than one. Truth is getting such a battery in these days. But that's the cleverness of the documentary uh, because basically you will yes end up reaching your own conclusions. It is a fascinating watch directed by award-winning duo David Trihorn and Ben Nicholas who I spoke last week. Guys, last night, the first night of the documentary on Netflix, I had loads to do. I started watching it at one o'clock in the morning and also messaging a lot of people because I knew they were watching it too. So we started commenting on it and a lot of questions that I'm going to put to you came out of, of, of that chat on, uh, on WhatsApp and it will help this conversation. David, Ben, first of all, how are you and what have you been up to in, in recent weeks? I
1: think we're just re- recovering from a, a busy few days uh getting everything ready uh making sure all the kind of behind the scenes stuff was uh, ready to go and uh, yeah we're just uh, kind of in recovery now ptsd from uh from uh finishing a big project like this
0: because david this is the sort of thing that you of course have to invest in not just what you make in it but also the post-production and, and promotion of it. it takes a lot of time
2: yeah i think we actually when did we finish the project ben in april
1: kind of april um, yeah so it's been a A few months of kind of uh, other stuff.
2: Yeah, and that, that, you know, the project overall was a sort of, it was, well, uh, 18 months in terms of our role, but probably two years in terms of uh, the whole development and securing access um, to to the relevant people. Um, So, yeah, once you you finish a project like this, it's a huge part of your life that you're sort of devoting to one very, and in this case, very small topic, you know, Ultimately, we're mainly talking about three weeks in the summer of 2000.
0: That's true, but at the same time, it's one of those stories that people have speculated about for years. Now that you have dwelt into it and looked deeply into the story, can you tell us from your point of view why it is a story that remains so clear in the minds of so many people?
2: Well, I I think everything we see now about modern football, you can almost put back to, to that moment in 2000, you know, that's uh, ultimately, this is where the, the moment Florentino Perez arrives, builds his Madrid, you know, no, no, no Figo, no Galacticos, uh, no Perez, no sort of the Real Madrid dominance of the, of the last, certainly in Europe, of the, of the last decade. Um, uh, it was the first kind of astronomical transfer in that sense. It completely completely redress the balance of the the, in terms of the rivalry between Barcelona and Real Madrid so I think you know it's a transfer that still resonates today and I think as you said it's already creating as we probably knew it would it's already creating heated debate in Spain Um, and despite it being 22 years old it still feels quite raw I think
0: what's quite clear is that there are this story still divides people in Spain and for anybody to put a, together a project like this i feel it had to come from they had to come from the outside world of spanish football because that they could offer as you did a more neutral perspective so ben you had that in mind that you were or, or did you uh, that you were an outsider looking in and could therefore see the whole situation from a more neutral point of view
1: yeah i think that was something we were always really keen to do obviously to obviously to tell the story to give the context to give some of the history, but to always kind of for us to remain neutral, which was easy for us because we, we genuinely have no uh, foot in either camp or, or any allegiances to either, either, either club or anything, despite being we're huge football guys. Uh, uh, but we're very aware that you're never going to please everyone in, in that sense. But in the film, we always wanted to say, never feel like you're saying this guy's a liar, this guy's good, this guy's bad these fans were right these fans were wrong we never try to kind of judge anyone in that sense uh, and uh, hopefully the audience can make up their own mind but as you say everyone's going to have their uh, their own favorite person or their own uh, their own you know, personal slant on how the story should be uh, should be taken
0: for those that don't know the details of it is the story of a very loved barcelona captain and player who very much represented the barcelona values and then decides to join real madrid what happens in the middle and how the transfer takes place is what gets explained in different ways by all the people involved. That's what uh, you see in the film. Uh, did you go, David, into the story with the intention to resolve what happened, or were you just trying to put across what everybody has to say?
2: The, I guess the first thing that we did was a real sort of deep dive into researching the story, and that was kind of going through all four sports papers on a daily basis for months and months and months in the lead up. Um, and a lot of the backstory of sort of similar contract disputes between Figo and other players at Barcelona. And it was just getting a really, really, really really clear timeline of events and finding every time someone had spoken about it. And I think we'd worked out some of the main protagonists had gone on record, but usually, usually quite briefly. Uh, Figo's agent, Jose Vega, had never spoken on it, so that was a huge testimony kind of missing. And it was this feeling that kind of, and, and it comes up a lot in the documentary, everyone has their truth, everyone has their version of the truth, and I think it was quite quite clear uh, as we began interviews that everyone had, I, I'm not going to say they were unreliable, but everyone had a very different account. And I think we then realised it would be a big mistake if we were suddenly going to try and make a documentary that was our version of the truth, because otherwise all it's going to be is just one more version. So, it, and, and from a filmmaking perspective it's much more fun in a way to pit all these different accounts against each other and have the, the, the narrators almost contradicting each other on a constant basis and it, so it leaves the viewer kind of guessing as to who's telling the truth who isn't telling the truth and I think it would be wrong of us to suddenly take a clear uh, position to say actually this is what happened because I don't think anyone anyone quite knows exactly what happened um, and I think even the, even the guys when there was, even, even the main narrators and there's five main people inside the deal as we know, um, Florentino Perez uh, Juan Gaspar, uh, Figo himself, his agent Jose Vega and then Paulo Futre, who's kind of acts as an intermediary between Figo's camp and Perez. Um, and I think, you know, e- even though they were contradicting each other, I think they were all very convinced that, well, this is my truth and, and this is actually what happened.
0: The quality of voices that you bring is outstanding. And when I was reading the credits at the end, I saw that you had interviewed other people, big names that you ended up not putting in the show. I imagine it was a really conscious decision to just use the ones that really mattered.
1: At the beginning, I think we were, we were I think, as, Dave, as I said, Dave and I are huge um, football fans and we love all these kind of, any kind of behind the scenes business, the f- business of football. We love all that type of stuff. Um, but I think um, as we got into telling the story, uh, I think we realised that a lot of the time in these kind of books you read, articles you read, you have a slight feeling of uh, being on the outside, looking in on a story uh, and, and a slight kind of detachment. And I think that in some ways that can work really well in a book or in a long read or, or something, but in a film uh, that will kind of kill you if you're feeling you're a few steps removed from the actual story. So I think, as you say, the key thing for us really at the beginning was getting, if we, I didn't actually think we would maybe get the, the big five, but we had to get as many or as much time with, the, with those guys as possible for the film to feel kind of immediate or to feel cinematic. Because I think you had to feel like you're in the room with the deal. You know, as it's happening day by day, what's happening is the ups, the downs. And if we've got someone who kind of heard from a friend of a friend what was happening, I think that's different. So we really kind of insisted that anyone who's in the film had to be able to say, I was there, or Figo called me, or I spoke to Florentino, I had lunch with Florentino. Those were the kind of, if you can't say that, you kind of ended up getting cut. As you say, we had some huge names also interviewed, and it's something we drilled down to in the edit. Unless they could do that kind of thing, uh, in the end, we decided the more time you could spend with the five guys who are actually doing the deal, who are actually kind of sweating it out to 4 a.m. in Lisbon in the, on the last night, uh, then, uh, yeah, then that's that was almost the condition you had to be to make it into the film.
0: The job of a filmmaker is not only to put all the information and the voices together, it is to do it in a way that is engaging and dramatic. And you use a trick in which somebody's telling something... And then you put the face of the others as if they were listening, uh, yet again, as if they were in the same room. I've never seen this before, and it's fascinating because you see the faces reacting to what they are supposed to be hearing. I don't know if you can disclose whether you actually put the quotes to the interviews as they were, uh, you know, they were listening to it, or was it just a trick, a dramatic trick, that helped you convey the drama of it?
2: it it's, it's a bit of an editing trick. But it's yeah no our, our editor Sam who who is actually Spanish he's from he's from uh, Tenerife um, but but being in London for years um, no that was something that he was sort of working on and and we just thought it worked really well because it, it's so much it's so much he said she said this thing isn't it it's it's kind of he said this or he he uh, you'll have to ask him and suddenly once you sort of start placing faces against each other it had a, a really powerful effect and we only did it a few times I think it's one of those tricks you don't want to overuse too much Um, but yeah it works I think especially around when we're talking about the pre-contract I think it works really well.
0: We won't go into detail because you have to watch it but of course the fascinating thing is what happens within the days in which a transfer gets completed but having worked in documentaries before I know how hard it is to get the caliber of interviews that you got tell us about the process of getting your interviews.
1: Well we always we always had um, we knew at the beginning we had figo on side and he was actually um, he was key really in getting in getting most of the most of the the big five he, he still has a relationship with Paolo future he still has a relationship with Jose Vega um, he's able to pick up the phone to Florentino uh, and uh, and uh, we actually uh, had um contact with Gaspar quite early as well uh, so I mean Florentino was the Florentino was the one which I thought we would have to live without really. Uh, and, but as the film picked up steam, as Figo's, as our relationship with Figo maybe became, he you know, began to trust us more, enjoyed working on the film, kind of got, got into the idea of having a film about the, about the whole summer. Uh, then that was something that we were working, kind of the film was 80% done by the time we got uh, in the room with Perez. Uh, but that was a fantastic, kind of a fantastic kind of last quarter of the film to know that we had um, the big man.
0: I haven't heard Figo talk so openly about this. Florentino Perez doesn't give interviews. Pep Guardiola chooses very carefully his projects. And and this must be something that really hurts him, of course, because Figo is the godfather of, of Pep Guardiola's son. Uh, and they were very, very close, as you portray in the film, but perhaps not so much now. Um, I'm just saying this is uh, almost as a standing ovation for the names that you got and the fact that, that together they tell the story so wonderfully. But the one that I wasn't aware in terms of his relevance is is Paulo Futre. Of course, one of the Atletico Madrid's biggest ever legends and one of the best players in the world at his time. Who, actually, by helping get Figo to Real Madrid, he helps Real Madrid start a new cycle of victories.
2: I, well, I hope he doesn't get too much heat because he's my favorite character in the film by yeah. far. I think he. I, I think both. I, I think that's what we mean. That you know, there's a there's an unscrupulousness to both. Uh, Vega and Futra but I think they're very charming with it. You can you can you can see the ch- you can see the charm in both of them, and, and they were both very nice people to work with. Um, but I think Futra is brilliant. He's he's you know uh, I keep saying he's probably the best interview I've ever done, and I only asked him three questions, and he ended up speaking about an <laughs> yeah.
0: And in fact, there is a moment in which he does something that changes the course of football history. I don't know if you were aware of this turning point or if you found it as you spoke to him, but you made it certainly a climax of the story. How did it come about?
1: The funny thing was we'd kind of read his, he has a, was it, a book, was it his book? Or was it, I can't remember yeah, what it was now. His book, he has a kind of 20 page recollection of the of the, of the the whole summer. Uh, and the funny thing was we we got this interview. He came He came one evening after we'd uh, spent time with Luis. Uh, so he, kind of, Luis called him and he kind of came down. And uh, Dave and I had thought it'd be amazing if we can get, Half of this twenty pages he's written his book for the film, and we'd written a kind of we spent the night before thinking he might come, so we'd done like a two pages of questions. I think Dave sat down and said the first question, you know, tell us how that how that story unfolded." And he just just went for kind of two and a half hours. <laughs> he, he literally telling the whole story, kind of word for word almost, and and in his uh, own his own manners. As, as Dave says, he's kind of he's him and Vega are kind of the two other kind of guys you dream about as uh, directors. I think for in terms of interviews, just. The storytelling is uh, unreal really.
2: I think one thing that we, we found really interesting and that we ran with was that when we started this film, as you say, we, we, we try and piece it together a little bit like a thriller. Um, and we saw it as this kind of heist movie and in, in, in the sense that his Florentino Perez, he's trying to uh, basically steal the shiny diamond that is Luis Vigo of Barcelona, to cement his own power and to get one over on his rivals essentially. And, and that's the heist. I think what we never were quite aware of was that there's another heist going on um, and it's Futra and Vega who are going after the commission. And, and in a way, you, you can see, and I don't know it's fair, uh, that Figo's this kind of pawn in the middle of this story between these sort of these, these two power grabs going on. Um, but I think that's, that was the surprising element of the Futra Vega story that we, that we weren't quite aware we set out, that there's, there's this other kind of... these. This other machinations to try and get Figo to go to Madrid.
0: It's an hour and 44 minutes long, and yet I would have watched another hour of it. I imagine there must be some things that you left out. Is there anything you can share with us that, that you had to leave out of the film?
2: There's no pig's head. Uh, I think, again, as Ben was saying, because we constantly wanted to be in the room and tell the story in a very present tense way, that, you know, you're, con- you're, 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 you're not looking at, you're never looking back on things retrospectively. We're always kind of in the moment, and the pig's head was one we've been asked it so many times. Why isn't the pig's head there? And it's because no one actually noticed at the time. It was one of those things that you know there was the, the image came a few days later, I think. Um, and actually, there's one tiny shot of it uh, that's been filmed, and it's the pig's head's tiny,
1: and you can barely you can barely notice it. it, 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 it someone th- it hits Roberto Carlos on the foot, I think, and bounces off him, and he even, he doesn't even really notice it. I don't think so. It's, it's one of those things that was a great image when zoomed in on for the papers i think and everything but in terms of uh, actual video footage of it it was uh, yeah, almost almost nondescript
0: were you both present for the pep ordeola interview because the feeling i got listening to pep was that he had a he had to bite his sleep and that he was a bit uncomfortable because of the you know this transfer story really really him for many years and i'm sure the relationship has not been the same with between figo and and pep uh did you have that feeling too that that he was still very Careful for Pep to talk about about all of that and think back of that time?
2: I think there's a bit of, um, there's probably, uh, and it just happens in life and, and probably happens a lot with footballers. They move clubs and they go to different countries, they do different jobs and they kind of just drift apart. And I definitely get the sense that, uh, you know, without wanting to speak for them, that, that that friendship has sort of just drifted apart slightly. So there is probably something slightly hurtful. I don't know, Ben, what do you think on, on in terms of Pep wanting to do it?
1: Yeah, I think I remember at the time thinking he was maybe, yeah, holding holding back the real ramifications for their relationship post, post-transfer, post uh, because we know there hasn't been that much contact since then, whereas previous, as you can see in the film, they were each, at each other's kids' birthdays, parties, and, you know, a constant presence in each other's life at that moment. But So I think that's part of what Dave says. You move club and that just becomes your life, really. But I think it's, it's definitely notable that the guys that... Luis hangs around with now are the Madrid guys. Sogado, Hierro, Roberto Carlos, Casillas. Uh, so there was definitely, a, I think, as a fan, you, you, uh, you sometimes wonder how kind of close players from other clubs are, but I think in this instance, uh, some people had to cut ties with Luis when he, when he made a move like that.
0: What was your feeling meeting Florentino Perez, the, the chairman of Real Madrid? He's a very powerful person who doesn't give interviews. He, he shows the same calm as in the film that he had during that crazy period in which he knew he had it all sorted there was that composure that never seems to have left him since early in, in the century
2: no I, I it was um as Ben said it was that it was the last interview we got because we we realized we probably only had one shot at Florentino and we wanted to make sure we were sort of as the months went by it's like okay what is our approach and we, we don't want to make the wrong approach and I think after speaking to sort of Journalists like Lou, who had been helping us and and other Spanish journalists, they were like, your your best shot is through Figo. And so we we convinced Figo to sort of try for us and and we we were never expecting it. But yeah, when when Figo told us, yeah, Florentino's agreed. And then it was very it was very businesslike. It's like, you're right. You've got this amount of time. It's got to be at Real Madrid. He only does it in the trophy room. We had to convince him because all the interviews are kind of a standardized backdrop because we wanted them all to have this quite neutral feel and this focus just on the, on the, uh, on the uh, interviewees. So we then had to convince that we could have our backdrop o- over uh, uh, blocking the view of all the European Cups uh, <laughs> in the Madrid Trophy room. Um, so, yeah, it was quite a nerve-wracking one, but he turned up on time. He asked for questions in advance and answered every single question we gave him. So there was no kind of, you know, blocking out, I'm not going to ask this, I'm not going to answer this. I'm sure there's a, a, an awful lot more he could tell us. <laughs> um, but it was quite interesting. You know, he didn't deny, he didn't deny being with Paolo Futra. He didn't deny, uh, you know, he, as, as he said, the contract was signed between him and Jose Vega. Um, and yeah, he spoke a little bit more. We could have used him earlier in the film, but I think we decided it was much more impactful sort of bringing him in about an hour into the film. I've given away a horrible spoiler there, but it's, it's, it, but it's, um, yeah. <laughs> and then it, he was very charming, wasn't he? He was unbelievably he was, charming. Yeah.
1: He was, Cause we were, we were told before, I think, if, I can't remember who it was now. Someone at Madrid said to, to us, you know, he's going to come in. You should, you should address him as Mr. President, blah, blah. But he came in very kind of on time, but very casually. Hi, I'm Florentino. Hi guys, blah, blah, you know, handshakes, kisses, uh, <laughs> gave us a lovely shirt. To, but when we left, yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was pure style star for us i don't know whether he was turning it on or not but uh yeah
0: he was, uh, he was lovely well that's him that's better behind the scenes but perhaps the entourage wants us to be scared of him like he's a much bigger person than he actually is in any case he certainly still has and has in the movie as well the tone and and and, and calmness of a winner and has always had that which i think is part of his attraction let's finish with figo because i sense a couple of moments of tension. He obviously had to go through absolutely everything. How comfortable was he talking about everything?
2: He was... Um, no, he was we, we, so I did the interview with Luis. Now, I, I don't speak Spanish. I, I speak Portuguese. So we were doing this strange thing where we were speaking off camera in English. Uh, then I'd interview him in Portuguese and he'd respond in Spanish. Uh, and the reason we wanted it in Spanish because we thought this is a very Spanish story and he's our main protagonist and, and we, we need him speaking in Spanish. And, uh, and, and clearly he speaks very good Spanish, having lived in... Spain for so long um and we did it it was a couple of days worth of interviews so there'd be bits where you'd be talking very normally about sort of early career stuff sporting Lisbon you would drift into Inter Milan and, and and things would be quite sort of on this very sort of mutual level and we were always sort of waiting when are we gonna when are we gonna go straight in when are we, it was always kind of warming him up to go in and talk about the transfer um, and I think the first time we did it he did he, you could see him getting and I, I don't think i was winding him up but you could see him getting quite sort of angry about it um, and you know i think he suddenly spoke for about 15 20 minutes uh, without being interrupted about the transfer he had stuff to get off his chest i think uh, immediately um, but then there were lots of bits that didn't really add up for me as well so it's sort of, you, you know i i was, I was i'm still I'm, I'm still sort of thinking well why if you didn't sign a contract, why? Did, if, if you're so adamant about not signing the contract, then why do you have to go to Madrid? Um, and, and I still am kind of shocked that no one had the foresight to realise just how huge the ramifications would be. And, and that's something sort of both him and Vega was sort of a bit like, no, we didn't really, didn't really expect it to blow up as it, as it did blow up.
1: It's funny though because I think I think at times you do you do like I was I happened to watch the film again last night because I was just wanted to check a few things but ended up getting drawn back into it, and I was sitting there with my wife and she was the bit that she just really couldn't believe was when he gives the interview to Sport. The second interview to Sport, mm-hmm. um, and that's to me that to me that is telling us that he did know the ram- that he kind of knew the ramifications. He's thinking I'm going to separate myself from Vega now. I'm not going to pick, answer the phone to those guys anymore. I'm in a really, really bad situation here and I'm going to just go rogue and I'm going to give this interview to Tony Fieros. Um, so I think there are definitely times when he kind of does realise the situation. Uh, and other times, he's a very interesting character because he's, he's a real kind of alpha male, real kind of what I would call executive personality. Gives you the impression that he's just kind of gliding through life, being the best in the world at football, making loads of money, marrying the most beautiful woman... Uh, but I think what the film shows is that even that type of personality, when, when they get involved in a situation like this, things start to shake, things start to crack. Um, what did you think about <laughs> him, Guillaume? from how, how, what you knew of him before to how he came across in the film?
0: I know him a little bit, and, and you describe him really, really well. Is the man who never gets it wrong, the man who's in control of the room, the man that will tell you how he goes, an alpha male, but he's hiding stuff, isn't he? When he talks about telling a newspaper sport that he was staying in Barcelona only for a few days later to go to Madrid, uh, I'm not sure I, I believe figure when he talks about all that. Um, he's, he's hiding something. It doesn't make a lot of sense because perhaps the only way to explain why he was happy to put in the cover of the Catalan newspaper that his departure story was rubbish... Must be the pressure of those days. Maybe almost like trying to push the pressure away. Well, well, he had already taken a decision, which was to go to Real Madrid. Something like that. But in any case, for him, an alpha male, to actually say, "I got it wrong," is something that we won't get. We will not get. Uh, Figo admits that uh, he thought he was going to stay. Uh, that's what he says in the movie. Even though you add, basically, in the way you explain the story, that he had. Seemingly, also allowed his representatives to finish the deal with Real Madrid. I love the fact that it's not a conclusive documentary from from any point of view that you can still interpret it, whatever way you wish. But with more detail and information that we previously had, it was really a great exercise for the memory and and for the emotions that those days brought up. So, thank you for the film and all the effort that you put into making it. It has come out really, really well. The reaction on social media seems to show that a lot of people have been watching it, and it seems like uh, you know the interest is huge.
2: I hope so. Yeah, no, I think I think it's one of those. It, it's it's almost one of those givens. You do so you, you do anything on Real Madrid, Barcelona, it's going to get some traction, and then throw Luis Figo into the mix, then then it just becomes potentially huge. We're hoping it we're hoping it will fly in Spain and elsewhere because I think it's a it's a story with real sort of global resonance as well.
1: Yeah. For Particularly at the moment, I feel like it has, you know, I think what, what Perez does at that moment is kind of, he becomes in as a great modernizer, and I think football would not be what it was today without that moment. And then you just think back to all these things. What if they hadn't called Palofutra? What if they hadn't, you know, what if Palofutra hadn't picked up the phone? Would, would football, how football would might be different now today had a few of those little things not happened.
0: This makes me think that the reaction Forentino got from the world of football with the Galacticos was very similar to the one that he got with the Super League from fans, which was, what the hell are you doing? you take it football from us. You're a businessman. You don't know anything about football. And of course, he got it right before anybody else uh, in that time anyway with the, with the Galacticos, with the idea of bringing brands into a bigger brand to make every brand bigger and you know, create commercial deals that brought more money into football, which will then allow to bring more Galacticos, that kind of vicious circle. And football is a mirror of society. And just like how capitalism took over society, it's also taking over football. So it's only normal that the rich clubs want to get richer and it's only normal that the Super League comes back again. With the Super League, though, you you start wondering, um, thinking back at that time of the Galacticos, if, if Florentino is showing us the way again. The division of Pérez has always had a lot of pros and cons, but he's certainly always been ahead of his time in football. David, Ben, thank you very much for your time and, and I hope the film goes really, really well.
2: Thanks so much, again.